Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think if that album came out now, it'd be called Trigger Warning, wouldn't it? Uh, okay, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Comedy Album Book Club. And that was uh, Adam Sandler's very first album, They're All Gonna Laugh at You. came out in September 1993. It was produced by Brooks Arthur. He's uh, a Grammy Award-winning producer. He uh, produced albums for Robin Williams. This album, along with his 1996 follow-up, What the Hell Happened to Me, both went double Platinum, meaning each album sold over 2 million copies. It's insane. As of 2014, this is the fifth best-selling album of all time. The first is What the Hell Happened to Me. Crazy. Uh, the album also stars, as uh, you probably recognize some of the voices there, David Spade, Rob Schneider, Alan Covert, Tim Meadows, Conan O'Brien and Judd Apatow and had writing staff such as Robert Smigel, Bob Odenkirk, and Tim Hurley. Adam Sandler was born in 1966. He was on The Cosby Show in 1987 at the age of 21. He was only in about four or five episodes. Joined Saturday Night Live in 1990 at the age of 24. And his first headlining film was Billy Madison in 1993. Adam Sandler's films have grossed more than $2 billion. Let that sink in for a second. And his estimated net worth is $340 million. So I guess we can all just give up. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so that's the album uh, we've all just listened to here at the Social Capital Theater here in Toronto. And uh, I suggest anybody listening at home to uh, listen to that album before going any further. Uh, okay, so I've got a few guests tonight. My first guest... Uh, he is an actor comedian, teaches improv right here at the Social Capital Theater. He has a new class coming in February. His name is Jordan Kennedy. Give a hand to Jordan Kennedy. How are you, Jordan? Okay, here we go. <laughs> so you teach improv here at the Social Capital Theater. Uh, that's true, yes. How's that? How's that? You, you're great. Oh, that's that's all I wanted to hear. I am a student of Jordan's. I've been yeah. I've been studying with him for a, a couple of months now, mm -hmm. and uh, no further questions. All right, uh, my next my next guest uh, is an actor. She's an actor in the uh, web series Good Morning Tonight. And just a few days from now, the taping of this, December 12th, here at the Social Capital Theater, will be in a show called I Know What You Did Last Christmas. Please welcome Cat Letwin. Oh. How are you, Kat? Oh, uh, well, I just listened to an Adam Sandler album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. Can you tell us a bit about Good Morning Tonight? Uh, sure, cool. Yeah, it's uh, uh, a post-apocalyptic morning show. Uh, so it's exactly what you think it would be. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, if you uh, listening at home know what I think it would be, you also know what it would be. Uh, our next uh, guest is a comedian and writer. He's written such thing for such things as uh, 22 Minutes and one of my favorite uh, sketches that you can find on YouTube, Batman versus Batman. Please welcome John Blair. How are you, John? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. okay. All right. Uh, I've, I've just come across town from uh, the annual uh, Screenwriters Guild Christmas party. So right. I, I am what I would describe as business lit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm kind of lit, but to only to a business degree. Oh, wow. Very so, nice. Yeah. You got Very an MBA good. in drinking. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Very professional. Yeah. <laughs> um, Batman versus Batman starred, of course... My Batman costume. Yes, and thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> One of my favorite things in that, which I believe was written by, I think it was improv by you in the sketch, was there's sort of a, an alternate world Batman. Mm. And instead of crying boo-hoo-hoo, -hoo, he says, 
A who, boo, 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 boo. boo. Yeah, that's Comedy what gold, is my like friend. In, in an alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it sounds. Makes so much sense. No one here can argue that. Okay, that's well, welcome. Different about that. Right, yeah. The feeling is the same. It's simply the expression of a said yeah. feeling that is different. I feel like yes. Adam Sandler would appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Nice segue. Especially 1993. So, <laughs> so Jordan. Present. Why? Why did you want us to do this? <laughs> It's a fair question. Uh, we, uh, we spoke a while ago. We've known each other for many years. And I've, uh, this is volume mm-hmm. four of this show. And uh, I said to you, hey, you should be on the show. What's an album uh, you think you'd like to do? One of your favorite albums, one of the most important albums of all time that you revere above all others. And uh, <laughs> it's this and the Joshua Tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a very funny album. Mm-hmm. Both of them were thrust uh, upon us. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So. Please tell us tell us what made you chose this album. Uh, I felt like putting a group of people through something uh, <laughs> unique. Uh, no, I mean when I think of comedy album and I think of my uh, earlier years, like this is the one that I remember on the schoolyard being the one that everybody was quoting. Mm. And everybody was uh, imitating and talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're angry but also horny, this is the perfect <laughs> album. Yeah, that's for why you. it was a big hit at all the drama camps I ever went to. Like, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're a fan as well, Kat? I, uh, I I was actually just texting my brother before this show started um, because we used to listen to Adam Sandler albums together. All the time. We had a copy of this album in particular, and my dad found it and read the liner notes to medium pace and uh, was just like, David, you have to throw this album out now. We are a good Christian family. And uh, and then uh, then we weren't. So it was fine. We kept the album. Um this album made you a bad... Yeah, it had... Oh, well, if <laughs> like you the bought lyrics? the album at a, at a local Sunrise Records, then yes. Yes, it absolutely huh. did. Um, and I, I recall also like, uh, uh, I, I still know like pretty much all the lyrics to like Lunch Lady Land Mm -hmm. and the Thanksgiving song. And Mm -hmm. it was like much like Weird Al Yankovic growing up. It was one of those albums that if you considered yourself someone who was a fan of comedy, like this was something that like, yo, you and your friends totally knew all about. Um, and even, uh, when I got my mom, to listen to the uh, They're All Gonna Laugh at You sketch in particular. She thought it was so funny that at one point during dinner, all she said was, they're all gonna laugh at you. And it was just like we couldn't get through the entire dinner uh, with, without her saying that. Um, that's incredible. So there's that. But then there's also all the other sketches. Anyway. No, that's fair. That that all, uh, They're All Gonna Laugh at You sketch is so strange. It's called Oh Mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, an ellipsis. Yes. And it's two minutes and ten seconds long, basically of – of Adam Sandler playing your mother doing that. And it's and it's not a based... moment unwasted. No. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> not a moment unwasted. It's, uh, it's based on Carrie. Based Carrie. on a uh, Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. yeah. A very a small uh, moment in the movie Carrie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess what it's like on a regular day to live with that mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, John? Uh, how, how far back does your experience with this album go? Uh, I was uh, straight up 12 when this came mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, and straight, I, up. straight up 12. No, no, no messing around. Gangster 12. 12. I was as 12 as you could OG get. 12. Uh, but, um, I was, when I was a kid, I was like, I was like the kid who was really into comedy. And I was, as I reflect on it now as an adult, insufferable to my friends and loved ones for like a person who was like always like quoting comedy shows. And I watched SNL every night since I was like nine, even though I didn't get any of the jokes. Um, but I was like, Oh, did you like, I'd be repeating jokes. I didn't understand on the schoolyard. Um, but Sandler was like, he was this interesting addition to the, the, the cast on SNL because he really carved out a thing where it's like, this is the cast member with the mind of a child. And um, so the novelty of this album being like, this is like, this is like the man boy on the SNL cast doing this really blue album was like, wow, I am definitely going to listen to this on my paper route. Um, because right now it's completely my wheelhouse. It was uh, like, you might notice listening to this. He was, I think 27, 28 when it was recorded. 27. Yeah. But almost like uh, the, I would say probably about 75% of the content is about people in a high school. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So he's like, it's like this is all material that he came up with in high school, and is right. like, yeah, I can do an album. I've got all that stuff I came up with in high school. 
but to a 12 year old, it's like, this is so sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a high school. This is so beyond my, oh, I'm drinking cognac, listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this was an extension. He talked about how when he was on Saturday Night Live, I mean, he was doing stuff like Opera Man and the Canteen Boy and Silly Songs. And and people talk about how he was never really ironic or mean-spirited or satirical. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to be funny. He was just just very silly. And this album is basically all the stuff they wouldn't let him do on TV. They wouldn't let him do on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) For obvious reasons. Um Yeah, and uh, what I really appreciate about this album was at this time in the in the early 90s, a lot of the albums were sort of still the old guard, like like Jonathan Winters was making mm. albums, uh, Robin Williams, uh, uh, Carlin, uh, Sam Kinison, um, and it feels like those were for sort of an older generation. Yeah. And right. it felt like our generation felt like comedy albums are a thing of the past. And this felt like a revival to me. It wasn't a stand-up album. It, that's mm. not what he wanted to do, uh, which probably would have cost of a third of what this album cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Sketch uh, is always much more expensive. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot more writing involved, production. There are a lot of different people featured on the album. But also, the sound design is incredible. Mm-hmm. And they didn't use libraries of sound effects. They created a lot of their own sound effects. Sandler was really insistent on having his vision um, you know, portrayed as, as richly as possible for the ear. As stupid as this stuff was. So, so when he was beating uh, a, a woman to death uh, in, in the uh, uh, the severe beating of a, uh, a high school Spanish teacher, yeah. he was just like, uh, I don't know, is it the peat moss that's wrong or is it the golf club that's yeah. off? Like, what, sure. what, 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 what do I need? Like, I just want them to, like, the skull is crashing in on itself, but it's not imploding because I am specific in my sound design. Like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty creepy to think that they needed to be yeah. that specific but it is it is <laughs> after saying that it's hard to say this but it was beautiful in a way uh <laughs> it's uh it's, it's, it really is realistic all, all the sketches you you feel like you're there you know they uh <laughs> whether you want to for be better or, not, or for worse for better yeah. Or for worse yeah and we listened to uh 12 tracks today and they were not quite double that but the uh the beating of a Blank was sort of a recurring uh, runner in the show. But I find it interesting that, of course, Adam Sandler was like beating up on all these authority figures. When you hear Mm. a lot of the other premises of his sketches, it's all about being humiliated and being lesser than. And then hearing him take out his aggression on authority figures does kind of make sense. Mm. Like even – I will say medium pace. Uh, <laughs> let's go back to that 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 stalwart gem of a sketch right mm-hmm. now. I actually find it kind of lovely in a weird way because, like, sometimes when people are you, you they, yo, they be fucking, and uh, <laughs> when they're doing that, like, it's the things that they are into are just really weird and strange. And I found that the way that he explored that idea was actually kind of in a weird way, beautiful. He's like, yep, I just want a shampoo bottle up my ass and I want to be humiliated and that is who I am and that is totally fine. And then even at the end of the sketch when he's talking about being humiliated because he comes so soon, he's just like, Mm. look, I'm going to do better next time. But it's honestly like – that's part of the joy yeah, is that no, he's totally not. he's that's, totally not going to do better next that time. That is such an interesting take on that that you saw it as this sort of embarrassed, humiliated man who yeah. was apologizing but still trying to be kind of cool throughout singing a cool song. I basically saw it as a guy who was just trying to expose himself to us through this ridiculous song. You know, listen to how many ridiculous things I can mm. say that are rude and nasty. And it's great that you had that poetic spin on it but i mean so much of this so much of this album just feels like look at my penis you know like almost every sketch it's okay like Uh, and i think he uh i think he grew up with a bunch of sisters and he was the only boy and i wonder if that if it's traced to like he never got to express himself at all like he was dominated by his sisters and i don't know i don't think anyone's ever second psychoanalyzed adam sandler yeah uh nor should they Uh, but that's why we're here tonight yeah (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a favorite sketch in this, uh, Jordan, or song, or is there something that sticks out to you? The one where the, uh, hey, buddy, uh, oh, those are actually pencil mm. shavings. Cause, oh, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Right. 
It's funny because uh, bass, as a lot of this stuff is, like all of the beats are there. Like the mm. heightenings, like as a mm-hmm. comedy person, like the heightenings there. There's like there's turns, there's fake outs. Like it's it's all there. It's just really dumb. Yeah, but it's that, all there. That's a, that's a neat one. That's neat you mentioned heightening because uh, I feel like a, a Saturday Night Live often falls into the rut where they figure figure out a joke for a premise mm-hmm. and they just do a whole bunch of the same joke. And then they just sort of walk away. Yeah. Uh, and it's like without, five minutes later. Yeah. And like, it, and it well, hasn't, we did uh, a thing. It hasn't necessarily heightened or resolved. Um, but th- this is – this the every beat is so long. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you can sort of see it coming. But uh, – but yeah, everything sort of heightens and then to the ridiculous point of him being dead. And, and I think yeah. part of that, Joey, is the anticipation because mm-hmm. we know exactly what's coming next. As soon as he says, you know, after we realize that the LSD is fake and he mm-hmm. says, yo, but this weed, they're like, oh, we know this weed yeah. is fake. But right. there's a joy just like yeah, I, I know for myself in my cruelest, cruelest moments in high school when someone was just like going on about something, I'm just like, you don't even know exactly what you're going on about or just like, I'm just waiting for you to give me a moment to tell you exactly how you're wrong. Like, it's that same, <laughs> Satisfying it's that same the, kind yeah. of joy. Yeah. I, I think Sandler is is at his at his funniest on the album in this sketch. Like, I absolutely agree. That's my that's my top sketch on the, on the, on the album. Um, because, I mean, his, his the voice stuff and the character stuff is what kind of makes him. It's his sort of claim. But when he's just on this side, like... Doing that really patronizing, like, oh yeah, you are, I, because you smoked all those joints. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you smoke them. And he's just yeah. like leading him along for. And I don't know who the other guy is. Is that Schneider? Is is it might be like, Tim Hurley? He might be Tim Hurley. Yeah, I, think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't tell, but it's 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 a rare it's a rare kind of reversal of him playing the other side of a sketch. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think and maybe it's because it's the only time on the album that he gets to really do it. But I, I think he's. So funny, just in that like goading on, goading on, goading on uh, right. role. He's better at that in his movies, I think too. Like Happy Gilmore, when he just plays yeah. this angry regular guy, mm-hmm. he has some you know great lines yeah. in that when he's just being a jerk to people, as opposed to something like Little Nicky, where he's got this weird voice going on and it, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. Uh, that sketch, though, I feel like has that tag on the end that isn't necessary. I wish oh, that they bring movie... back the buffoon. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I guess it's a tie into the other runner. Yeah, than but the, he the like it's interesting the runners that he focuses on in that mm-hmm. album, where it's the buffoon, mm-hmm. where it's uh, the severe beating of uh, whosoever happens to be your target like mm-hmm. what is it about the mind of this man child that like these are the people <laughs> that you focus on this is what right. you, you you believe will be the thing that ties everything together or that people want to hear or at least for you personally is the most interesting part of your psyche like uh, mm-hmm. I'm really super into this idea of psychoanalyzing Adam yeah. Sandler, so I'm just gonna yeah. fucking run with this right now well yeah. I'm wondering if it's almost the opposite if he's trying to be subversive like the idea of these beatings they're they're offensive but they they basically sound the same it's yeah. you know yeah. it's i mean they sound very realistic but there are what are there four one minute long sketches of just sound effects of somebody mm-hmm. being beaten to death that's uh it's kind of gutsy to to yeah. to put that as your and you know what i you know here i am uh, a 30 year old needing lumbar support acting all <laughs> high and mighty about this but i for sure downloaded all of like before i got the full album definitely downloaded all of the beating sketches from napster uh <laughs> when i was younger and like i could quote each one. And it was something that uh, my brother and I loved and I could uh, repeat at school. And what did you love about it? I I think I liked the simplicity of it. And frankly, I liked the, the sheer violence of it. Really? Um, and I liked uh, when I could hear it repeated. I mean, this was also the era where You Kicked My Dog was really popular. Mm. Yes, right. There's this, like, uh, uh, this, this release in it, and especially as a kid, when your um, comedy ideals aren't as necessarily well-developed mm-hmm. or refined or you don't understand the world about you the way that you do eventually when you become an adult, when you just hear someone like getting the shit kicked out of them and and you have the narratives telling you like no this is funny it's okay to laugh at it it's fine the world is awful and this is awful and you're awful but we're <laughs> awful and I'm making lots of money so you could too maybe one day if you think that this is uh, as bad as I do uh, <laughs> yep so that's uh, those are uh, my thoughts fair on enough that. Yep. I'm curious uh, those in the audience who heard the album by applause for the first time tonight 
Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So okay. you had friends okay. in school. There are yeah. only 10-year-olds and 90-year-olds here. <laughs> <laughs> so, fair enough. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not totally surprised by that because there were a lot of things that I feel like the people here on stage, we were almost laughing at with our hands over our mouths, almost guilty for laughing at. And no one else was laughing at. Like, yeah. wow, people, you guys think this is funny? You yeah. guys thought this was funny? Like, yeah, there's a lot of what I, I think would be called misogyny now. Oh, uh, probably then. Uh, Thank you for looking at me while violence. you said that. I really that appreciate that. Oh, I meant to be looking at Jordan, that, the, the poster boy. These days? Well. <laughs> did you just call me the poster boy of misogyny? I did. I tried to suddenly call you the poster boy of misogyny. Yeah. Uh, anti, anti-misogyny. Yeah. yeah. But even that's, um, yeah, that's a good. Thing. Yeah, I, go I also remember um, I uh, so before I re-listened to the album before this podcast tonight, um, there were a few titles that always stuck out uh, uh, for me from this album that I've always carried with me, and I didn't necessarily remember the sketches themselves, but I always remembered the idea of Toll Booth Willie. Oh, Toll Booth. Oh, oh, buddy. And I think <laughs> at the time I was especially laughing at the. Um, the game of the scene within it where mm. you have this guy anytime someone comes up and, and just like completely insults him. Like it was always so exciting to hear what the next mm. round of insults was going to be. And as a kid, I'm like every single new thing coming up was creative and awful and gross and subversive. <laughs> and I fucking loved mm. it. I loved huh. it so much. And then listening to it now, um, you know, as, as someone who uh, uh, writes and performs comedy uh, uh, and hearing kind of like the lazy ways that they fall back onto insults, like, you know, you get the game of the scene so quickly and so easily, you know, like, okay, anyone who comes up is going to insult this guy, but the ways in which he chose to insult the people, uh, and again, like, especially the woman who comes up and has the fake out of like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to be nice to you. Guess what? I'm not. And then, that happens three times, too. He's got the, the bishop. And then there's an old lady. And yeah. I mean, they go back to the well a few times. Yeah, but he doesn't like threaten to yeah. rape them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just going to say that. Pretty, just that for, for uh, non-comedians listening, uh, the game of the scene is a really pretentious improv <laughs> Yeah. Format. That Thank you for calling everybody... me pretentious. I really yeah. appreciate that. Uh, not not you so specifically. Just oh, but I am all specifically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, pattern, basically. Yeah. yeah. Repeated joke. Uh, to I, I, don't, I was thinking of this today. If we're talking about Tollbooth Willie, um, yeah, we are. We are. Yeah. I yeah. think we're there. You're right. We're we are all Tollbooth Willie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was I was listening to this um, on on YouTube earlier today uh, for study purposes. And when we got to Tollbooth Willie, um, someone had commented, and one of the top comments was like, "Oh man, you know." Pranking the, the toll booth guy used to be one of the top ways to prank someone other than like crank calling them or whatever. Right. And that really, that reminded me like there is a really like historical kind of zeitgeisty, like this album really lives in 1993. When like the Jerky Boys were big, yeah, yeah. and like Kick My Dog was a thing, yep. and prank calls would go viral, and there was no way to tell who had phoned you, uh, and it was <laughs> like it was like back then it was like it was very much in like the popular culture to like pull the pants down of authority figures, yeah, and that's all this album is, and it lives completely in that 1993 kind of like. For sure. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, crank all the guy at the toll booth or, or yeah. our teacher or, you know, what a more extreme example. We're gonna go, you know, kick the shit out of the bus driver or whatever. Right. But that's, <laughs> that's what almost the entire album is. And, and that's really who Adam Sandler was at the time. Yeah. Too, was this 27 year old <laughs> yeah. kid. You know, uh, people tell stories about how they'd walk in, uh, on him at like four in the morning, uh, when uh, he was at Saturday Night Live or something and, and he'd be sitting by himself in the writer's room. Prank calling like a deli telling them how bad their, their sandwiches were just because he had free time and he is by himself. Yeah. And he, he just thought that was a funny thing to do. So if anything, this is a good way to yeah. like harness it, his energy. It's his soul laid the bare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what's inside of him. <laughs> Apparently, uh, he would be working at like two in the morning on like the Hanukkah song or something. And uh, ask like other writers if they wanted to help out with it. And they would be like, oh, no, I'm OK. I'm going to go home and go to bed or whatever. Hmm. And like later on when that song you know, became a huge deal for years, they were like, 
I could have paid my children's college education if I had been co, you know, uh, <laughs> co-writer on that yeah, song. Right. Pursuant to your point about this being very much a 1993 album, I think the entire uh, 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 span of years between, like, say, like 91, even like 89 through to like 99, 2000, I mean, those were the years that, like, say, like Weird Al was most right. um, uh, active mm-hmm. and effective and popular. And so, of course, something like Adam Sandler's, like, uh, Eight Crazy Nights would would be so popular that I, they made an animated movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. when when in 2017, I ask you, audience, both in front of me and hearing me right now, when would a parody song be turned into, like, a full-budget movie? And well, they I, are making a movie based on the video game Rampage, apparently. With that's Garth. not really a parody Which... song. That's more like a video game. Um, but I think it speaks to how far we've fallen in yeah. pop culture. Yeah, yeah. We'll well, remember that? When, out of... when, was that uh, when did that game come out? Like, 96? Oh, I, think I don't know. Before I'm, that. John, do you know? Um, I, I can know very shortly. I, oh, it's <laughs> right, because we have the equivalent of the Library of yeah. Alexandria. At our John's a cyber organism from 1985, so yeah, it takes a little time, but the, you the can access anything my, you want. Uh, do you guys think uh, like 12 or 13-year-olds hearing this album now would laugh at it? you think it's still accessible and relatable, or do you think they're more sensitive to some of the things that are considered offensive now and wouldn't find it funny? Um, I know, like, uh, as, as, uh, as a young, uh, woman listening to it, um, where I, I loved the jokes a lot, but a lot of the content of the jokes, I, um, made a conscious choice to ignore. Hmm. Um, where I'm like, this is, uh, I know, like, the, the setup of this is very funny, but there's also so little other media for me to consume mm-hmm. that um, at all mm-hmm. <laughs> would would reflect my thoughts and experiences. So you you make um you make your deals. Well, first of all, uh, Rampage was released in 1986, and but more pursuant to our, the point of this discussion, uh, I think that, that there is also a bit of a. I mean, not only in content, but in structure. I mean, this was, as you said before, such like a, a sort of re, regenesis of the, of the sketch album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I feel like the, the format of it has, has come a bit further where like, it's like, you know, I don't know if this sounds like dickish to say, but like the, the, the structure of some of these sketches seems so like, almost like primitive, like proto sketch. Yeah. Right. Like I was, uh, Kat and I were talking about this when we were listening to, to the, to the album. And, and I mean, one thing I think is like the sketches like Fatty McGee or the sketches like the longest P that end in like someone rattling off a dumb joke and everyone yeah. laughs. And then there's like that, like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's generally accepted as this way of being like, we didn't have an ending for this one. Yeah. But those endings are better than the endings to any of the other sketches. <laughs> All the other sketches just stop. Right. And they're like, yeah, and, and, it's not a clear and like, ending. Yeah. There's like, and like some sketches, like, I'm so wasted, have a clear game. And yeah. some sketches just have a noise that occurs through the entire thing. <laughs> and it was just like, I was listening to Fatty McGee on my headphones today. And, and uh, Jocelyn, my partner Jocelyn, is in the same room with me and just leans over from her computer because all she can hear from out of my ears is... <laughs> For three minutes, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm listening to a comedy album." If yeah. you can believe, it. Like, I feel I feel like the for, the 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 form of sketch has maybe become a little more uh, sophisticated since then. But I wonder too, like you know, we kept kept saying how this is so adolescent and juvenile, and we were all very young when we heard it. Like, is it also that this is just targeted at people who don't have a sophisticated knowledge of comedy? Like, Probably exactly. You know, I, I mean, yeah. for the 12-year-old, 13-year-old audience. I mean, a lot of these sketches, beyond being uh, clever and or juvenile, they're, they're predictable to me yeah. now. Yeah. And, you know, not super funny. I think I find them funny because I remember finding them funny. Yeah. Sure, sure yeah. yeah that's There's a, a nostalgia difference. to this. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's why it was kind of crickets for the people here who... I do remember, though, at the same time that I was hearing um, Adam Sandler's comedy albums, it was the first time I also got into Monty Python. Mm. And so here are two different comedy voices that are just, I I would say, like, 
uh, wildly opposed to one another. And yet, like as a kid, I still love them and cherish them both. And um, and Python's what, very nonsensical mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Well, exactly. Childlike like going and, into the idea of absurdity. And I think yeah. uh, with, with what was said before about the idea of Adam Sandler tackling uh, uh, authority figures. I, I would agree with you in saying that uh, us uh, hearing this tonight uh, it was certainly like tapping in to a nostalgic uh, part of ourselves. And yet I will still say things like um, the uh, Thanksgiving song hold up for me Hmm. i love like for me like the way that it's set up where you have him starting to talk about like talk about turkey because it's good like and but then just following his thought pattern as he goes off into absurdity where he's like i can be singing about um a turkey lunch and then suddenly be talking about daryl strawberry Mm -hmm. or about a poster that i had where it's like you were following the way that his brain synapses fire and mm-hmm. I found that to be um, like charming and, and frankly very honest. Yeah. Uh, and it's done in a sweet enough way yeah. that at the end you feel like, oh, I've just heard like, like a Christmas oh, song or oh, something yeah. that, I, yeah. that the, I like. The live songs are a great reminder of why people found him so endearing. Sure. Yeah. Mm. This is like when you see him and it's like, oh, look at him. Like, yeah. It's all very high. charming. Yeah, look at yeah. him all high on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. clap. You guys are messing me up. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah I mean, he's, uh, he's built a career on, on tapping into that. Um, boyish charm yeah boyish charm and I mean he's done uh, much much better than anybody would have ever thought Um, (laughs) better than uh, any of us like Jesus so far I didn't need to personalize it (laughs) uh, we could still get that 130 million dollar net worth yeah, give me a couple. Of years. I think being one of Sandler's uh, f- like tertiary friends would be the best. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Oh Just yeah, like, Alan Covert. Like, yeah. uh, he was he the guy in, in uh, Grandma's Boy? Yeah, yeah. He somehow got a movie. Oh, he's got the best life. <laughs> <laughs> I looked him up today. I think he's yeah. worth like twenty million or something. No, eight million. Out, it's eight yeah. million. Not so is he just star, uh, one of his buddies? Like yeah. who's in occasionally yeah. mm-hmm. the occasional bit? Okay. Yeah. 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 Sure. Right. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, that's a good place to take a little break. Uh, we'll take uh, a few minutes. Uh, we'll take some questions from the audience. There's some paper and pens in the back there. If you guys are curious about any other thoughts and anything about or we thought something you want to talk about, and uh, grab yourself a beer, hit the bathroom. We'll come back and talk a little more. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. All right. Comedy Album Book Club is recorded live on the first Thursday of every month at the Social Capital Theatre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Join us, won't you? We listen to the album at 9.30pm and then we record the panel discussion for the podcast. Tickets are pay what you can, with some proceeds going to Covenant House, Canada's largest agency for at-risk, homeless and trafficked youth. For more details, please visit us at ComedyAlbumBookClub.com. I'm Jason DeLine. Thanks for listening. Yes, we can all start religions based on science fiction. Thank you. And we're back! Yeah. Yeah. The conversations took a weird turn. <laughs> right. We got some applause for coming back from one Pe- person. People are sitting work. cross-legged now. It's very... No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's great. No, it's, no, cool. it's very relaxed. Very Everybody have a good break? We feeling good after the break? Yeah. All right. We got some... Uh, we got some questions uh, during the break. Let's let's see what happens. We got quite a okay. few here. Okay, here's a question. Uh, Sandler has some genuine musical ability. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any thought process behind how he uses music in his comedy? You know uh, the um, the actual like orchestration of the songs is very catchy and good, and like mm. uh, some of the some of the songs on that like uh, "Loving You." Uh, loving you? Which one do you think? I think is? it's called loving you. Uh, it's the really, really medium vol- medium sorry, medium. Oh, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's my G-rated version of it. Yeah. Um, if you, yeah, I mean, like, I guess that's the whole setup of the bit. But like, if you uh, substituted like regular PG or G-rated uh, content for that right. uh, track, it would be a very serviceable three and a half minute like love song or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very yeah. ballad esque like uh, 93. I mean, you know, that's not far away from uh, guns and roses. Uh, you know, don't cry in November rain, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Aerosmith. 
Well, then, also even thinking of his bit as Opera Man on SNL, uh-huh. um, I uh, I think there is a very, very rich tradition of comedians who have just enough musical talent that it can be funny and also like kind of really good. But yeah. uh, there's a point in your life where you choose like, what am I going to really concentrate on? Is it going to be comedy or is it going to be music? And you can have just enough of either mm. to make one of them work. I find, though, like with a lot of his songs, when he starts going off into like uh, like very clear comedy, like when he goes into his like crazy higher range, but he's not doing it in a way that is uh, at all trained. Like he's still hitting the notes, mm-hmm. but he's doing it in a way that's funny. I, I uh, To me, it, it just feels like a way of him still being able to express himself through music, but then also like hiding behind this veil and and not hmm. quite being ready to be as vulnerable as one uh, has to be when it's just uh, pure music. So, I, I find it very interesting you saying that you can sort of have a little bit of one or the other and uh, you know, we were talking about last month. We uh, we did the the Smothers Brothers oh, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. on the show, and we were talking about how to be really to to be funny at something. You have to be good at it. And mm. the Smothers Brothers are incredible musicians and they're very disciplined comedians. And you can't tell where the scripted stuff veers off into improv with them. It all feels off the cuff yeah. conversations. It all feels very natural, but they're clearly well written jokes that have been rehearsed a million times because they all land and they're all very funny, but they do this with it within this framework of incredible folk musicians with great harmonies and, and amazing at playing uh, the guitar. And I, Nug Nargang was uh, my featured guest uh, last month, and he was saying how it's so much funnier if you do something like a dancing sketch, and then in the middle of the sketch you sort of reveal that you're an incredible dancer. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And then you can play around within it. It's like and, you have to know the rules before you can really break them. Yeah, and I, but I feel like Adam – broke them without knowing them he yeah. i don't, I don't <laughs> think like, he's oh. that good a musician yeah. i mean i feel like he probably learned yeah. four or five chords yeah. and wrote some cute songs and but that was his audience yeah. they didn't care he, he's not a musical act yeah. per se i, I feel like a, a lot of times on this album he's at his best during the musical stuff mm. i think i, think, I mean he's, he's yeah well yeah I, absolutely yeah yeah i think i think that's that's exactly it he's, he's just in a nice comfortable place with it it's fun yeah. when you hear him doing that stuff live everyone's enjoying themselves mm-hmm. uh i mean like my for my money one of my favorite sandler movies is probably wedding singer and sure, i yeah. think that he Very has charming, a, he, he yeah. does a great has a great time with that yeah leaning into that kind of side and i think mean, it's a place it's a place where you get to see him kind of feeling at home, um, which is nice. And and it, it, it lends, in this case, it lends to some of the, for me, the brighter points on the on the album. But then also in The Wedding Singer, um, there is a genuine kindness and a sweetness to it that is missing from an album like uh, They're All Gonna Laugh at You. Sure. You know, mm. um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, that comes from yeah. the studios. It comes from his director. That comes from Well, yeah, Adam Sandler didn't write The Wedding Singer. Well, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We're seeing just his id laid bare on this, on this <laughs> <Yes>. album. <laughs> like, yeah. like, what if my dick had a voice anyway? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. The simple a, answer a is yes. Affirm yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. For those of you at home, an audience member just brought up Fifty First Dates and how romantic the ukulele songs are. And I wonder if that also came specifically from his continued collaboration with Drew Barrymore. Um, Well, she makes him look good. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. I mean, she she'll make anybody look good. Uh, like, <laughs> she can make you believe she's in love with Adam Sandler. Yeah. I mean, give this woman an Oscar. Yeah, she started in the Stephen King movie, of course. Like, yeah, she can she can make anything. Look she good. used to play with terrifying things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but as you said, yeah, with that ukulele song, like, um, uh, and I think it was a very canny move on behalf of the movie, on uh, on the director's part, uh, where you clearly have this kind of like man boy child uh, who is do, like doing doing all this. Uh, Shit. And then in the um, collective consciousness of our society, we know him to be a man-boy child who does dumb shit. And then to see him actually kind of like part the curtains of that and just give us like a real, real sweet peek into something that's deeper and lovelier. And, and especially to be able to do that to someone who is lovely and deeper 
there's a way that we as an audience can access that where we still are able to laugh at him but then it makes it that much better knowing that someone who is so used to hiding behind his own ideas of humor to see him like just be a nice human being who really cares about someone else i think that makes it very special welcome to psychotherapy with <laughs> No, who are I, you? I, I, who are you? I don't think he. I don't think he could get away of uh, away with any of this if he wasn't like a really nice guy. Yeah, mm. uh, that people mm. really love. And, That's a good point. Uh, and is known in the industry as right. like a guy yeah. who is very, very good to his friends and right. uh, is very loyal. Yeah, and, hateful, um, mean person probably couldn't. Yeah, can you imagine Bill Burr doing a movie this. with Drew Barrymore? Like, yeah. ugh. <laughs> ugh. <laughs> fucking yuckers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're fucking in love. I don't know. Clang, 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 clang. Yeah, shut uh, up. What a fucking song for you. Yeah. <laughs> His songs are terrible. <laughs> clang, clang, clang. Clang, clang, I don't play guitar. <laughs> what do you think I am? <laughs> I play football. <laughs> Suck my dick. <laughs> my dad beat the crap out of me every day. I don't have time to play guitar. <laughs> yeah, that's a movie. I did uh, this not movie is going to be made in 2018. Yeah. No one knows that. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be 14 minutes yeah. long. Uh, okay, well, that, okay. Uh, this might segue into the next question. How does Adam Sandler relate to Andrew Dice Clay? Oh, Jordan. And, I'm the Andrew Dice Clay of this trifecta. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> clearly. I think that's very... We all just assume yeah, since you yeah. picked this album that you're a huge Andrew Dice yeah. Clay fan. I think my misogyny has been firmly established <laughs> earlier. Um, people think Andrew Dice Clay is that guy. Nobody thinks Adam Sandler is the guy he is in the bits because they know he's a good guy. I'm not saying Andrew Dice Clay is uh, not a good guy. Maybe I, Apparently, he, he actually is. Uh, family man and stuff but mm. there's a there's a way that adam sandler was able to blur the line between uh the performance or i guess uh, the other way around the uh, andrew dice clay people he was so he was so con- uh entrenched in that in, in that bit that people thought he was the leather jacket yeah, chain smoking guy but at the uh the heart of um adam sandler's bits is a sweetness that i think mm. andrew dice clay uh, at least in his act lacks mm. That's really interesting, you know, because when I think of Adam Sandler, I think, like I said before, with Happy Gilmore, I think a lot of his more acerbic characters where he's nasty to people and has these great one-liners. But in Happy Gilmore and a lot of the other things, those one-liners come from an underdog to the voice of authority. Mm -hmm. And he also feels like maybe Adam Sandler intentionally sort of intersperses these likable loser characters in between his mm-hmm. you know sort of nasty characters so he can say if you got to pick one of these guys that you think i am pick the nice guys and then you sort of get away with yeah. with doing the more nasty stuff but yeah the 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 things where he's usually uh yelling and screaming at people it's you know i'm thinking of happy gilmore where he's in a bar yelling at shooter mcgavin who's this really pompous rich yeah. jerk who's oh the you eat pieces of, of shit for breakfast yeah yeah, yeah 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 he makes him look like an idiot and we're him we're mm-hmm. happy gilmore in that of course we're rooting for him and so even when he's not this sweet lovable guy we're still rooting for him so mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah i think andrew dice clay always took the the tack of i'm the coolest guy in the room and i'm better than yeah. everybody no matter mm-hmm. who's here and that's a little harder to relate to and yeah. get behind for a longer period of time. It's fun as, as a gimmick for a minute. Mm-hmm. But but you even see that in movies like Waterboy where um, when he mm-hmm. gets really violent and we mm-hmm. it's established very early on in the movie that like this is like – oh, this is kind of like a down on his luck guy who like means super well. But he just flies into a rage. But when we first see him really fly into his head rage, it's just because he loves water so much. <laughs> so, so the rage comes from a place of love. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So An easy it's leap fine. to take, sure. Right? Yeah, we all love water. Yeah. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much water. It's completely understandable. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I don't know. When I was on a Florida football team, I didn't act that way. But, like, that's yeah. fine. It's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next question. Why has Adam Sandler's comedy changed so much? Also enjoying the show, Happy Face. That's a nice question. Aww. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I reject the premise. I feel like, I think as a young man, that comedy works. 
I think as a very old man, that comedy works. I think he is currently like 50-ish. 51, I think. He's kind of in that – sure, he's got the kids and like – I don't know if it works where he's at right now, which is why he's having a – like he's doing phenomenally well compared to most people. But like he's having a little bit of trouble right now with his comedies. But I think once he hits like 60 and up – Right back into Shabadabadoo, right. I'm making money off of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, once he started, rhymes, uh, <laughs> he started doing uh, Disney movies mm-hmm. and they sort of just took yeah. off. And people realized that families will go to see this guy when he's not rated R. But now he has this uh, deal with Netflix. Mm-hmm. He can sort of do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And that results in something like, the ridiculous six yeah. a couple of years ago where a dozen native Americans walked off the set because of how offensive yeah. it was. But then not long after we find out it was the most downloaded and watched Netflix movie really? ever, yeah. which is there's a lot of, crazy. there's a lot of bros in the world yeah. and uh, Will Ferrell bros were once Adam Sandler bros. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Now they're coming back. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the last two of his like contractual seven Netflix movies are gonna be like fire. They'll be great. <laughs> He's just gotta find his rhythm. And then, but yeah, I think I think that's a very good point. He is he is in that stage of a, of a human's life where his is doesn't really. It's not kind of incongruous with his sort of like. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, people down a peg. And I was like, he's the people now. He's like he's the guy right. who like yeah. I, I can't he, be. He's yeah. like the establishment, like as a fifty-year-old. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, I mean, he's the he's he's the algebra teacher at this yeah. point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also gone on yeah. to do uh, dramatic things, and he's received you know critical acclaim. Yeah, we he's all love Spanglish. <laughs> Yes, the hard-hitting drama yeah. Spanglish. Spanglish. Uh, Punch Drunk Love, he was good. In Punch yeah. Drunk Love, I think, is a beautiful, heartbreaking movie. Mm. I think he does an amazing thing. And I, that, I, I will say, I, I'm so sorry to cut you off. No, uh, but I will just. Uh, I'm used uh, to it. Uh, yep. Okay, great. I'll just keep talking uh, to my point. I wonder. Um, uh, here's a cool theory that I'm putting out there that I have not tested at all, and I just thought of right now. But. Um, because he has posited himself so much as being that adolescent boy in the public imagination, it's okay to watch him have his growing spurts and temper tantrums and issues, and we are willing to wait for him to grow, whereas with other artists, we are not willing to wait for that, and we will hmm. simply bury them. Hmm. Yeah, why, why is it because he was so firmly established as an adolescent so early on mm-hmm. that we allow that? Is that what you're saying? I like, wonder, yes. He's, yeah. he's our son, and he's we're just son, like, yeah. he'll figure it out. Yeah. He'll yeah. figure it out. He had, his, he had his bar mitzvah, and my God, we did all we could at it, but like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, okay, next uh, question. If you ever had a child, would you play this album for them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was reading something, uh, an interview with him the other day, and he was saying how there are certain things that he's just introducing to his own children. He lets them listen to part of the Hanukkah song. He, he even acknowledges that parts of the Thanksgiving song have some sexual innuendo. He, he says it's going to be a long haul before they get to listen to at a medium pace. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, I mean, if he's censoring that from his kids. Uh, well, I mean, if I was his eventually. kid, I don't want to hear my dad sing about fucking himself in the ass with a shampoo <laughs> bottle. Like, I'm just going to put that out there. Yet. You know, yeah. Uh, you're not ready I yet. I think I maybe ever, yeah? but. You never want to hear that? Fair yeah, enough. That's well, fair. I'll get Jim Letwin to listen to this and he can tell me. <laughs> like, it'll be fine. <laughs> if, if my hypothetical kid uh, was hiding that from me, I'd know that that kid would eventually be fine. Would turn out okay. Like if that's the worst thing when he's 12 years old, he or she is 12 years old, then What if it's sure. the third worst thing? Then I call Child Protective Services. <laughs> On yourself? Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. handle this kid. I'm, I'm no good, man. I'm, give do, me I'm doing a terrible <laughs> job here. I can't remove myself from this equation. I'm a very self-aware <laughs> dirtbag. Yeah. John, would you play it for your kids? Um, I, as soon as I heard that question, I had like just a flash-forward vision attack. of me playing uh, any tracks on this album and just <laughs> looking at my kid like, eh? <laughs> eh? Yeah. Dad, I you're gross. I'm not 12. funny. Exactly. I'd be like, Dad, what the, what the hell is this? So no, probably not. Probably yeah. not. No. Fatty McGee, maybe. Yeah. 
Uh, I will say my favorite line on the album is at the beginning of Fatty McGee, Tim Meadows going, well, we came to the right place, the oh-so-quiet library. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, hey, I wrote, Tim Meadows can sell anything. I wrote that down because that, that is such a Tim Meadows line, too. Yeah, yeah he's so, well, yeah. here we go. Oh, it's such that I hope nothing bad happens here. Something clearly will, but all right. All right, uh, next question. This is a long one. Uh, given the problematic nature of some of these sketches and the lineage of some of the writers – like Odenkirk and O'Brien, do you feel that in some ways this was a counterpoint to the burgeoning alt-comedy world of shows like Mr. Show and young mm-hmm. comics like Brian Posehn and Sarah Silverman as well as Janine Garofalo? Shabba-dabba-doo. <laughs> Shabba-dabba-doo. Wow, that's it's a yes or no question. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead with a solid maybe. Um, what that yeah. is, that is, A, I just want to say, like, that is a very cool, nuanced, dense, awesome question. And yeah, that none of us are qualified to yeah. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? I didn't even finish my theater degree. How can I answer this? Um, um, I, okay. I feel like uh, uh, this album and the subsequent Sandler albums uh, uh, were coming at a very specific time. And yes, I can absolutely see how uh, inspiration uh, was derived from it, but also the way that the comedy scene at that time was completely shaped by the way these albums were coming out. As was previously discussed, um, this was like a real return to sketch album creation. Like you didn't see a whole lot of sketch comedy being put out on albums uh, uh, before uh, this happened for like a long, long time. I can certainly see this as being uh, a jumping off point where it is really opening the door to like the stupidest, dumbest, best, worst thoughts you've ever had and realizing that they can actually be produced. And I think we do see, um, uh, 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 in, in, in work that came after this album, I, I think we see people who are applying a higher level of intelligence and nuance to ideas that are fundamentally rooted in the emotions of this kind of album where we start with, um, okay, it's fun to watch someone get beat up. Yup. Uh, Sandler takes it to the place where it's fun to watch people get beat up. But then you have other artists who are taking it to a place where like, okay, great. Let's watch these people get beat up, but let's add more reasons to it. Let's add more nuance. Let's add more, uh, uh, like, like shades of gray to it. Let's add, like, some goddamn art world chiaroscuro to but, it. But uh, Sandler was never interested in any of that. He no, he wasn't. He wanted to make people laugh mm. as easy as possible, and he, he thought of things that he thought were dumb. I mean, he says his influences were Cheech and Chong. You know, uh, stoner comedy. I mean, he was born in '66, so he was coming of age in this in the '70s when Cheech and Chong were big. He listened to Derek and Clive, uh, which is Dudley Moore and Peter Cook, and a lot of that stuff is very sophomoric. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it has less of a point than even some of the stuff on this album. But does. you it's can just... build a point onto something that has no point. You can, but uh, I don't know if he does. Well, I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't yeah. think he does. Yeah. I think. Um, but this, but this was people... the first time people talked about this stuff. On a comedy album, and it might have given license to people afterwards to make something of that kind of comedy. Yeah, I would agree. Like when you already have like that kind of baseline that is uh, set out for you, where you have this this great, uh, you know, a sedimentary layer that is that is uh, like com- comedically geologically there for you. Uh, I, it creates something solid that you can really build uh, up for yourself. I don't think that's nec- as you said, that's not what he was intending to do. Mm-hmm. But I can certainly see, like you know. You know, just for myself, like uh, I grew up on his stuff, on this really fun, dumb, stupid stuff. And then I realized, like, you can really make some interesting, smart, uh, like weirder things out of this fundamentally stupid bullshit that we all really fucking enjoy. So that's my hot. Take on that. I'm gonna and, drink my beer now. Yeah, and I, and I think it's very telling that a lot of you know, Mister Show, Kids in the Hall, uh, Ben Stiller Show, etc., like came mm-hmm. a couple of years after this because mm-hmm. this is very base and simple and, and effective. Really, really works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, it's like, okay, well, let's see if we can do something a little bit more subversive or nuanced. Yeah, once the audience grows up a little, maybe yeah. type of thing. Yeah. yeah. I would uh, I would absolutely agree with the um, with the, the the premise of that question. I think I think it is a counterpoint to a lot of what would come afterwards. I mean, the content obviously is is 
you know, bluer and, and dirtier and more bass than anything that Adam Sandler could do on Saturday Night Live. But I think in terms of structure, in terms of how it's carried out, it is very much Saturday Night Live, format-wise. Right. Um, so, I mean, you know, a lot of those people worked on it, but I think, yeah, that's it's it's true. A lot of that stuff came came out shortly after this album because it was like, oh, we do have this medium. We can do it. We, we, can, we can do kind of whatever we want. But this was that sort of first pass that it was still kind of in the Saturday Night Live format. Right. Like that house. Which still makes me amazed uh, that they put so much work into the sound design. Like I feel like it's yeah. way better uh, uh, audibly than it, than it needs yeah. to be. But then imagine hearing that and realizing like, wow, uh, like people worked so hard on this and made this sound yeah. so good. Imagine if I could write material that like made this like even better and like still kept how like gross and, and dumb it was but still somehow made it smarter but also got really great mm. sound design on it. I yeah. think – I, you know, at least for me, and I think uh, for a lot of people, it opened up a lot of minds and a lot of possibilities to what could be done with the medium. I, re- I really think he's helped. Uh, I think this album helped pave the way for comedy albums as we know them now. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it. I mean, it's. I don't think it deserves credit as an incredibly clever, wonderful, beautiful album. But I, I think it deserves more credit than it gets for sort of helping the resurgence mm-hmm. and interest in comedy albums. And I think it's recently sort of dovetailed with the the advent of podcasts themselves and mp3s and spotify and things like that and just that people can access thing these things much more easily and it's a great thing to have on in the background when you're working or you're doing chores or you're you know driving and people are realizing that you can still get great entertainment that are just for the ears that is just for the ears and uh I think it's so cool that he tapped into that. It's it was sort of a lost art, and this is 1993, mm-hmm. and you know we're only now I think uh, catching up to where people are really starting to produce for the ear again and realize mm-hmm. there's yeah. a real audience for that. Yeah, That's I really cool, um, and that brings us to uh, our next question. Uh, how do you think this album has influenced comedy that came afterwards? It sort of ties into what we were just talking about. But uh, I, I think um, this was like a first step album for a lot of like generation y born in the 80s comedy people where it's like okay like this is (laughs) simple and basic but effective and then like let's go from there to kids in the hall mr show yeah well hearing this makes you think you can do anything you know if nothing else i mean it's not necessarily Mm. the best kind of comedy but there are there's no boundaries here uh, whatsoever right Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think I have a new I don't think I have a new answer to this one. I think my answer to the previous question was my answer to this. Okay, one, we'll just copy yeah. that and paste it into this. Just part. paste it again. Yeah, um, we'll but make it louder. Down. Like yeah. I just said everything again, but louder. <laughs> oh man, Thank you. I'm so tempted to really do that. It'd be so weird. <laughs> See if anyone notices and writes this letter. Yeah, just apply a diaphragm. Yeah. Cat thoughts. Um, this album is an influence yeah, for future. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. Um, I, I guess I like what John said. It's similar to what I had uh, already said. Um, so I, I shall also leave it at that. Fantastic. We'll just cut this whole part out. Great. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys. Well, uh, this has been an amazing chat. Thank you, guys, so much for coming here. And I'd like to get. Just your final thoughts on the album and Adam Sandler and anything that's in your head. We'll start with John. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Shocker. I've usually been, like, at the end of the line. Um, the stage picture, folks at home, is that I'm on the end of the line. So I, th- I thought I'd be able to go last. Um, my, I, I, was, I was taken aback uh, listening to this earlier in the day. This used to be a, a cassette I would listen to when I was delivering papers as a boy. And, um, did you have a Walkman, John? I did have a Walkman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, and it, it was it was it was startling to uh, to uh, hear an album that I haven't heard for um, probably oh, twenty five years, something like that. Is that accurate? Twenty four. Uh, well, if you heard it a year before it came out, yeah. All right, John <laughs> okay. was on the cutting edge. That was off the cuff math. Um, you, you heard it the year it came out and then never revisited it? I was in the studio. I was like, this is going to be great. I was an 11-year-old boy in the studio. Rick James in the Eddie Murphy video in the booth like, yeah, you got it. That's the take. No. Um, it, was, it, it, was, it was really – it was a trip going back to this, this record. Um, I think its place in history uh, is undeniable. 
Uh, it is very weird uh, spending a lot of time consuming and producing comedy for, for many, many years since and then going back to this. Um, but there, there is a charm to it. Uh, and, and, uh, Tim, ne- Tim Meadows nails that library. Line, so, yeah. And, uh, that's the way I feel. <laughs> we gave you the right place. The oh, so quiet, quiet library. library. <laughs> he knows how bad a line it is, but he's like, yeah, I am committing. Leans into it. <laughs> so yeah. great. Yeah. Kat, final thoughts? Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, this this was uh, an album and a kind of comedy that I loved so very desperately, deeply when I was at a formative age. And I know I've I've mentioned this before, but um, it was also kind of the only comedy that was accessible to me as a kid growing up in Brantford, Ontario. I, you know, I couldn't go to comedy clubs as a kid because also everyone's drinking there. You know, you're 12. You don't want to go to a bar unless your parents are taking you. That's how you know you're in Brantford. Um, <laughs> but um, I just uh, – it 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 spoke to me uh, in its silliness um, and also in the way that it uh, – it didn't care how offensive it was. And I loved that at that age because I hadn't experienced anything quite like that. And, but also I didn't realize that I could be offensive and ridiculous in a way that didn't paint me as constantly the butt of a joke. And that took me a long time to realize. So uh, to go back and listen to it now, to know that I'm someone who is, you know, relatively funny, you know, I, I make money at this, but um, where I, I, because I'm a lady, I was not really included in it. Um, to be able to be at this place now where I am confident in the stuff that I'm making, you know, like it, it's just, it was shocking, um, to hear like how different, uh, a time it was. And I will love, uh, the songs for what they are. Of course I will. I will love the memories I have of listening to it with my family, with my brother in particular and laughing at it. But I will also know now, um, how to move forward and, and to make things better to, uh, in the vein of people making dumb, silly, stupid, ridiculous jokes, but in a way that, um, doesn't beat down the people who need them the most. It's yeah, nicely said. It's it's hard <laughs> Thank to you for uh, the scattered applause. I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's hard to uh, to resist putting our present filter on past entertainment, it is. isn't it, yeah. Jordan? Uh, <laughs> final thoughts on the album? Do you have any regrets? <laughs> yeah, how, how are you I, feeling? I, I owe everybody here. Um, <laughs> A uh, Portlandia season three DVD. <laughs> it's very progressive. Yeah. I think. Um, I think. I think the lesson of Adam Sandler is do whatever you want to do unapologetically. Mm-hmm. And uh, for most comedy people, you, you, the audience that you will find will enable you to make some secondary income off of it, and probably still have a day job. And then, <laughs> like myself, <laughs> who might run people up hills for a living. Uh, and for others, like Adam Sandler, the wheelhouse that you are working in will afford you to be able to, like, purchase islands. Um, and that's that's okay, because that's his wheelhouse and other people's is something else. But uh, I love listening to that and feeling like this is the the first draft of the thing that I'm listening to. Mm. And uh, I feel like he did not like acquiesce anything. And this is exactly what he wanted. And, uh, and I love that about this it. This is not a guy who had sold out. You cannot, I mean, at the or he sold out so early you that cannot, you don't even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even tell. Yeah. 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 If you sell out by page three, by page 20, oh. you're just like yeah. a genius. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I mean the whole, like he doesn't really ever talk about the wealth thing. Uh, I do think that I think like in the SNL uh, wheelhouse years that he was in, I think Dana Carvey was supposed to be the guy mm-hmm. or Farley, which obviously went another way. Um, it happened. It happened to happen to uh, Adam Sandler, and I and I do really respect that he was like this happened to me, and I'm going to include my friends in this crazy ride that like some 
people may think I don't deserve, and but that's okay. Like I'm going to employ people that I uh, really love and respect along the way. Uh, and he's never uh, he's never changed who he is. I well, not that I know him personally, but like it feels like that. And uh, and I and I, I do love and respect that about him. Cool. All right. So pick your friends carefully, folks. <laughs> you never know when they'll turn out to be rich and famous. Okay, thanks so much for being here, guys. This has been a great show. Uh, let's give a hand for our guests here. We got John Blair. You can find him on Twitter at OKJohnBlair. Okay Kat Letwin. You can find her on Twitter at Letwinka, L E T W I N K A. And Jordan Kennedy, who you can find right here at the Social Capital Theater, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, teaching improv and performing. Throw a rock at my window. (laughs) Uh, Remember, folks, we're here the first Thursday of every month, and uh, proceeds above our costs always go towards uh, Covenant House. Next month, we'll be back here January 4th, Thursday. Uh, Alan Turner will be my guest, also known as John Paul Mullet from Mullet's Night Show, and he chose Steve Martin's Let's Get Small, the first uh, comedy album I ever heard. I'm very excited about this show. Uh, Remember to please subscribe to the podcast and give us a star rating and review. It helps so much getting the word out there. I'm Jason DeLine. Thanks so much for joining us here tonight for Comedy Album Book Club.